Well, people everywhere love to celebrate. Every nation in the world has holidays. The United States, our own country, we have eight federal holidays, beginning with New Year's Day, then we have MLK Day, and it just goes on through the calendar year. We love all of these holidays sprinkled in the calendar year, right? We also have all these religious holidays. We have holidays for Christians, holidays for Jewish people, holidays for Muslims, holidays for Hindus. We love to celebrate. Then if you bring it on to the family level, right? We love to celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and graduations and all of it is just a time of feasting and enjoying But let me say, no one loves to celebrate more than God. God loves celebrations. He built into the whole nation of Israel seven feasts that would move through the calendar year. And why did he do it? He did it because he loved to see his people gather in celebration. He loved to see his people enjoying food and drink, laughing together, being together. But every one of his feasts were infused with spiritual significance. So what happens if you pull out that spiritual significance? What happens if you take out the very meaning of these feasts. The series that we've been in at Fox Valley Church through the month of December has been looking at keeping Christ in the center. So let me ask it that way. What happens when we pull Christ out of the center of our worship? That's what we'll be looking at tonight. And we're going to look at a very interesting piece in the life of Jesus Christ. Just a a very short section. You find it in John chapter 2. And it's going to pull up one of the feasts that God instituted. John chapter 2, verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple He found those who were selling oxen and sheep, pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. Making a whip of cords, He drove all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Let's pray and ask God to speak into our lives as we take a moment to study this passage. Father, We come on this Christmas day. We come from a lot of different settings, a lot of different experiences. And so God, we ask that your spirit would come and visit each one of us in a fresh way, in a way that brings keen insights into what Jesus was doing and what he wanted to tell us in this Christmas day, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let me be really clear on his main point of John writing this, and that is that Jesus' actions at the temple that day shows his concern for authentic worship. Everything Jesus did that moment in front of the temple was to show his heart for authentic worship. So we read in the passage that it began with Passover. Now, Passover is just one of the feasts that Jesus 
or that God instituted for the people of Israel. And Passover, many of you know, but let me refresh you, right? It was from a time when Israel was in bondage to the Egyptians. And so what happens is God removes them from slavery. He breaks the chains and releases them to go into the promised land. And that becomes a picture of us being released from the bondages and chains of sin. In fact, every one of the feasts point to the person of Jesus Christ. So all seven feasts through the calendar year point to Jesus Christ. But Passover wasn't the only feast. Look at the calendar here. What you see are actually three feasts. So when I say God loves to celebrate, he linked up three feasts. And of course, Passover kicked it off. And that's where they gathered to celebrate the deliverance of God's people from Egypt. Well, then it moves into the Feast of Unleavened Bread, another feast, but that was a seven-day feast, and it was a time for the nation of Israel to pull away from everything they were doing. It would be comparable, I guess, if we took our time from Christmas all the way through New Year's. We have this chunk of time where a lot of us just pull away from work, our normal routines, and celebrate. But the Feast of Unleavened Bread was a reminder to the nation of Israel that when they were pulled out of Egypt, they didn't even have time for the bread to rise. So consequently, what God did was he said, make bread, but leave out the yeast. So you're always mindful of that time when you didn't have time for the bread to rise in Egypt. And so, of course, that pointed to Jesus Christ in this way. Yeast becomes a picture of sin throughout the Scriptures. Both Old Testament and New Testament, leaven or yeast becomes a picture. And so what God wanted to do was point His people to a time when He would deal once and for all with sin. And then there is another feast here, and you can see it called the Feast of First Fruits. Now the Feast of First Fruits was another time of celebration. What is that? Well, you can guess from the name that it's when the harvest came in so that they would have food and they would celebrate the goodness of God and the provisions of God. And again, it pointed to Jesus Christ. And this feast in particular points to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is trying to bring about authentic worship in this context of all these feasts. Well, there was something else going on, and we saw the temple, right? Jesus went to the temple. Well, what was the temple to the nation of Israel? The temple was a place to encounter God. It's where the Spirit of God was. And when people wanted to connect, get right with God, be in authentic relationship, be in authentic worship, they went to the temple. Now, of course, it's a lot different today, right? We don't have one locale to go to, but Israel did, and they all came to Jerusalem to the temple. And so the temple was a place for authentic worship. It was a place when maybe you drifted off course and you wanted to get right with God. Or maybe you were never right with God. You went to the temple. And that's where you got your relationship right with God. The temple became the focal point of God's work to reconcile people with himself. Well, of course, all that Even the temple points to Jesus Christ because Jesus becomes the new temple and we encounter God and experience God through the person of Jesus Christ. Well, as we think about this tonight, Christmas 2021, I think Jesus was making two main points. Two things that he wants you and me to grab hold of as we think about Christmas and celebrating this holiday. Here's the first one. Stop 
playing at worship. Stop playing at worship. Now, when I say authentic worship and stop playing, what I'm talking about is God wanted to be first place in our lives. He wanted that position of rightful place of being first and center. Sometimes we call God being on the throne. And what happens is these were religious people, right, at the temple, and they're selling oxen, and they're selling sheep, and they're selling pigeons. And there's reasons for all of that, right? They were selling oxen because people were coming from a far distance, and maybe they couldn't bring all their oxen with them. So they would just buy them at the temple. Makes sense. These were Jewish people selling to Jewish people for the most part. But what happened was they started to commercialize Passover. Imagine that, right? We commercialize Christmas. All of a sudden, we lose the meaning of Christmas. We've lost perspective. And it becomes all about gifts and food and parties and drink and on and on and on. And we lose the significance of the meaning of Christmas. And so for them, it became an issue about money and all the religious garb that was wrapped around it. But at the core of it, Jesus could see there was not an authentic worship of the heart. Now, let's be clear. Everyone worships something or someone. That's just the way we're wired. It's kind of baked into the cake, as you say. Right? That we all worship something. Something has first place in everyone's heart. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's work. Sometimes it's relationships. Sometimes it's you just put in whatever you want because that's the way the human heart is. And what God says is He wants to have first place in our hearts. He wants that first place. Jesus said it just a little more abruptly, maybe a little more bluntly. He said, you can't serve two masters. You just can't do it. you got to choose. And so what Jesus was saying that day was stop playing at worship. you you got to choose who you're going to worship. But what gets complicated, I think, is it's often mixed. They believed in God. They were worshiping God. But somehow, even in their worship of God, he had gotten pushed off the throne. He had gotten pushed out of that first position. And Jesus was calling them back. Jesus was calling them back. So that's the first one. Stop playing. Let's just call it out at times. But he was also telling us to aim at authentic worship. Aim. Now, look what he says in verse 17. He says, zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal for your house will consume me. Now, when he says for your house, he's talking about the temple. And he's talking about his own heart and his own zeal. But now let me ask you, do you really think that Jesus was concerned about this pile of stones called the temple? Do you really think that when it says zeal for your house, that he was concerned ultimately about the pile of stones called the temple? He was concerned about God. So you can substitute in there zeal for God because that's where people encountered God. And that's what he was zealous for. He was zealous for people to worship 
the true and living God. So he's pulling us into this from a place of the heart. So now I ask the question at the beginning of the message, what happens to any one of us when we push God off the throne? What happens when he's not in first place? I want to give you three things that I think happens in every one of our lives when God is not in first place. First of all, we lose any sense of order. What God does by being in first place is he brings order to our lives. Now, what do I mean by that? When I say order, I'm talking about he helps us make sense of the world. Otherwise, all it is is you and me with our opinions trying to make sense of everything that's happening in the world. And you could never do that. And so when we push God out, we're just trying to make life on our own terms. We're trying to make it work the way we want it to work. And it often, almost always, ends up in disorder and confusion. It's God who brings order to marriage and family and work and study and all the hours of the week that brings it together to keep it in a healthy balance. That's the first. Here's the second. I think when God is pushed out of that first place, we lose a sense of purpose. People today are constantly looking for an answer to the question, why am I here? Why am I here? What's my purpose? And if we take God out of the equation or we push him out of there, we'll never get an answer to that. Because we're made in the image of God. We were made to be connected to him. We were made to be rightly related to him. We were made so that our affections would be authentic in their worship of the one true God. It's only then that we begin to understand the lower level of questions about how am I to live and my purpose in my daily life. But it's got to start with that big question is that you were made, your purpose, you were made to know God and to walk authentically with Him regardless of what's in your life. He just wants to be in relationship with you. But now there's a third. I think when we take God out of first place, when he's no longer the one authentically being worshipped, we lose a sense of meaning. I'm just trying to answer the question, what really matters? When you just pull back the curtain and you ask yourself, what really matters? Does that extra day of work really matter? Does that extra $100 really matter? Right? You just start asking these questions and what you're going to find out when God is in first place, what really matters is being connected to Him because then, only then, we can love people the way He wants us to love people. We can't do it without it. We just make things up and try to move. Now, I could give you a lot of examples tonight. I could give you a lot of illustrations of the disorder or chaos that comes by putting God out of first place. I could show you all kinds of situations where there's no purpose and there's no meaning. But what I have found is a person's story often helps. Would you watch this video and watch what happened here? We're Mike and Ana Fuentes, uh, and we've been attending Fox Valley for just over a year, and we have three kids, Haley, Jacob, and Isaac. I came to know Christ uh, at a young age. My 
parents were first-generation Christians, and we were involved in the church quite a bit. My dad was a pastor at the church growing up, and um, as I grew up, got older, I really wanted to kind of make my faith my own, and I knew that I was missing something. I was empty um, inside. I also grew up uh, going to church and learning about God and Jesus. I even went to a Lutheran school, so I had a lot of head knowledge and um, knew a lot about the Bible stories and even scripture memory, but I was missing that piece of the relationship. Yeah, so we uh, started attending uh, just about a year ago uh, during COVID, and honestly, Everyone is so authentic. I will say one of the main reasons we initially checked out Fox Valley is because there was childcare available, <laughs> um, which in COVID time was hard to find. Um, but like Mike said, when we, when we first attended, uh, we left and I felt just so refreshed, uh, so refreshed. And it just felt like he said, everyone was authentic. But we uh, joined a small group right away um, about two months after we started going to Fox Valley and uh, we both started serving as well. So I serve on the worship ministry and uh, Anna serves on, in uh, Journeyland. 2021 started really well. As he mentioned, we joined a life group. We got plugged in. He started playing drums with the worship team and both of those were big answers to prayers. But then towards the end of February, my mom started having a lot of health issues and she was diagnosed with bladder cancer. They actually found a large tumor in her bladder that had gone into her muscle. So she went through the chemo, everything was going well. And then towards the end of July, she started not feeling well. Uh, so they did some blood work and found that her white blood cell count was elevated as well as some other numbers, but that was kind of the big one. We had several specialists tell us they've never seen anybody with a count that high. Uh, but they could not find the source for any of it. So at one point they decided to do a scan of a full body scan to just look for any possible issues. And they determined that her, the tumor had grown and was blocking both of her kidneys. She was still incoherent. She wasn't waking up. She wasn't alert. She still wasn't eating and drinking. She wasn't able to talk and then that's when the doctors started wondering if something was going on with her brain. So they scheduled a scan of her brain to just kind of find out what was going on. But before they even were able to do that, her lungs started to fail. And they started throwing out those scary words of DNR and end of life planning and just had a lot of people praying for me and mm -hmm. for our family. Uh, he was here with the kids, you know, and dealing with that. But eventually we determined that it was in her best interest to let her go. So on August 30th, I you know, made the decision and she passed away later that evening. And she was six days after she had turned 63. So she was still fairly young. As I've reflected back, I've seen how he was in the details, the little details, the big details, even us be joining the life group in January so that by the time this happened, we had that community. Um, putting a mentor in my life 
at the end of last year that also has been instrumental through this whole process. And in the moments you don't, I think, always realize that God's timing is in that or God's hand is in it. But looking back and just seeing how it's all kind of played out, um, you hear you hear people say that they grow the closest to the Lord in suffering, and I never really understood that, like why that would be, but I understand it now because I have also seen my faith grow. I think the Lord brings you to the end of yourself and you really just have nowhere else to go. So as hard as this year was for me, it also grew my faith probably more than any other year. One of the ways God has provided for us this year is just seeing uh, how much our kids' faith has grown. Our daughter Haley comes to mind. She gave her life uh, to Christ in Journeyland and it was uh, just very unexpected but so exciting for us because we've never uh, talked to her specifically about that. Um, so yeah, I just remember being so proud of her in that moment. For anyone watching this video who hasn't accepted Jesus into their heart or who hasn't made that decision to surrender their life to him or have the relationship with him, I would encourage you to do that today. Don't wait, do it now. Um, this year was a very, very hard year, but I had moments of peace and I had moments that were unexplainable of just the amount of peace that I felt and I would not have had that without Jesus. Part of the reason I, I love their story is they're so real. They're so authentic, right? You, you could tell that God was not in first place. Mike said, my life was empty. Just translated, I didn't have a purpose. I didn't understand what really mattered. And then did you hear Anna? She said, I had head knowledge, but it wasn't in the heart. It's just another way to say that life was out of order because God wasn't in first place. And then all of a sudden, things started to change and, and they started to say, you know what, we got to get God in first place. We, we, we've got to put him in his rightful place. And then all of a sudden, some things start coming together and God starts working in their hearts and, and their faith starts coming alive and they start growing spiritually and connecting with God the way he wants them to be connected. And of course, as the story unfolds, tragedy. Nobody knows what tomorrow's going to bring. Nobody knows. But we do know that when God is in first place, it brings order it helps us understand a little more purpose because it transcends our time. It's bigger than here and now and says that there's life beyond this. And then when we get to what really matters is that God begins to distill all of that. And Anna said very carefully and very clearly, she really connected with God through the suffering. So all of this begins to take place. But she posed a question, and maybe it was a little confusing for some. She talked about accepting Christ. Let me just tell you a little bit of what she was talking about there. She's saying that all of us are separated from God. All of us have sinned. All of us have rebelled. Just like we're talking about with the Passover meal, right? It was in bondage to, uh, to Egypt. Well, we're in bondage to sin. And Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty of that bondage. It was Jesus Christ's death and resurrection that broke the chains of sin so that we, you and I, 
could find full and final forgiveness. And so what she's encouraging, and I want to encourage and bring you to in Christmas 2021, if you've never, never given your life to Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, I have pushed you out of first place. Forgive me for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you for forgiving me and cleansing me. Thank you for giving me new life, right? It's not the prayer, the magic words. It's the heart, but appealing to God to deal with our own individual rebellion against him, that we've not kept him in first place. We've not kept him on the throne. So if you've never done that, let me encourage you to do that. And if you make that decision tonight, make sure you tell someone. Make sure you tell someone. I'd love to hear that story if you want to tell me. Also, there might be people here tonight just like them. They believed in God, but they weren't authentically worshiping God. It was head knowledge, but it wasn't of the heart. Well, what do you do with that? Well, you do some of the same things that the first person would do. You just say, God, I'm sorry. I've pushed you out of first place. I want to surrender that to you. Thank you for taking my rebellion to the cross. Thank you for dealing with it. Take back first place in my life. And you know what will happen? God will do that. And he'll start bringing more order to your life. He'll fill it with purpose. And you'll be saturated with meaning. Now, as you saw with Mike and Anna, it's so important to be connected with other believers. It's so important that we celebrate together. And as we think about Christmas, we're, of course, celebrating one of the greatest gifts God gave the world, and that was his son. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, look what it says. For to us a child was born. That was 700 years before Christ was born. Isaiah prophesied to that, prophesied, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. That is, he will be the king of this kingdom, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. I mean, who doesn't need a counselor today? That's exactly what I'm talking about with meaning and purpose, is that he will counsel us into it. Mighty God, this one is over everything. He's almighty, everlasting Father. We all need a Father that'll never fail us, never disappoint us, never walk away from us, never turn away. This God, through Jesus Christ, wants to be our everlasting Father and then Prince of Peace. He wants to be the one who brings peace to our hearts, peace with God, peace with each other, even peace with ourselves. Powerful to have that kind of shalom in our lives. So as we celebrate the birth of Christ tonight, we not only just celebrate his birth, we're going to celebrate his life. His life was perfectly lived, sinless, so that when he died on the cross, it would be acceptable to God. And then he was buried and he was raised from the dead. We celebrate all of that and praise God because it was in the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, and could I add the ascension that Jesus Christ right now is on the throne in heaven, ruling over this universe. Regardless of what we think, of what we see, he is in charge, and one day he will show everybody clearly, fully, and finally that he is the King of Kings. Let me go ahead and pray for us. Father, 
I want to pray for the people here tonight. If there's anyone that has never made that decision, God, that you would stir their hearts. Just like the Spirit in the temple, the Spirit right here, stirring their hearts, drawing them, that there's nothing they can do. They don't deserve it. They can't earn it. They can just simply receive the gift of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And if there's someone here, God, right now that they've been out of church, they've drifted, they've been away, God, draw them back into the company of yourself first. And then other believers that will encourage them, pray for them, be there when tragedy strikes. God, we thank you for these kinds of things. And now, God, let us always, forever, be able to praise you. And it's in Jesus' name, amen.